Greetings, film fans, and this is a week for Barbenheimer. So yes. it, it's a historic week among film aficionados. No, it's, it's not. Also, it's also. No, it's not. Do you remember when, what was it, Mamma Mia and The Dark Knight were going to both be released at the same time, and everyone was like, ooh, what are people going to go see? Uh, they saw both of them, and the only reason that people remember that those two movies came out on the same day is because of Barbie and Oppenheimer. So no one remembers and no one cares and no one will even know a year from now. You're right. But it's one of those things that people will are just having fun with. The memes are pretty good. I You, you got to admit the mushroom cloud with uh, pink Barbie is pretty good. We're going to talk to Chris Clark about the St. Louis filmmakers showcase. And then around minute 33, We'll get into Barbieheimer. Lynn will start with Oppenheimer and then around minute 46, I will talk about Barbie. And then at one hour and one minute, we'll do a short little theater roundup. Locally, we have the Big Bang in St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, which is one of our favorite events. And we have Chris Clark here with us today. Good morning, Chris. It is a good morning, is it not? Yes, it is. is opening day or night, opening night. So how many, give us the rundown, give us the the 411 on how many films you have and when is it and all that. I'll start at the very beginning. Welcome to the 23rd annual Whitaker St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, where over time we have shown over 2,000 works by local filmmakers and expatriates who've escaped our shores to work elsewhere. This year we have 91 films spread out over 17 programs, spread out over two weekends in our new forever home, the majestic High Point Theater. You've Yay. said this before. <laughs> yeah, once no, or twice. It's so nice to have that instead of uh, trying in one to venue. Yeah, it's, it's so, yeah, it's so wonderful. For the right and, in parens, wrong reasons, for the last number of years, including last year, um, quarantine exclusive, for five or six years, we, for cost-cutting reasons, um, we were at Brown Hall uh, on the campus of Washington University. And it's great projection, great sound, but it's still a classroom and it's hard to get to. Um, it's hot in the summertime and you know, grandparents and cousins were like, by wending the way across campus, it's not easy to find. It's that was the first year we did it was a billion degrees, and there's no concessions, and it's just dry, and it's not the kind of experiential thing that you know that I like to have some experience and some fun. Well, this year, not only are we back in a theater, and so you know the reason was we saved six or seven thousand dollars a year, and you know the right reason for a nonprofit, but it kind of erased a lot of the the fun factor. So we're back in a theater, and it's our theater. We own it. So we're able to spread things out a little bit, have it on two weekends, have plenty of time in between shows. Um, it's really exciting. And it's not about the money. Um, although we're a nonprofit, you know, we do it for the art. But I will say this, and I'm very, very proud about this. Last year on this day, the day before the showcase, we had about $700 in pre-sales. As of right now, we're just shy of $10,000. Wow. So wow. should make you happy. That's, that's significant increase by a thousand eleven hundred percent. So you know what? Numbers don't lie, baby. Math is solid. So that's pretty darn good, right? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. And considering how we've just been through a global pandemic where we had two years of virtual, and then last year we had a lot of films that people just shot in their apartments. Yeah, we're still kind of we're kind of getting past that point. Um, now and it doesn't mean the stories were bad but it's just you know uh, how many more quarantine stories do we want to tell about you know charming encounters in your own apartment uh, it, it yeah it this one has, a, has a breadth and a scope and th there's quite a number of feature films this year which i'm excited about because uh it's just nice to see a different kind of a group and some of the regulars we have some of the some of the usual suspects are back and I always enjoy seeing what they're up to. But then there's the, the really eager and excited college filmmakers who 
are, hey, let's do this. <laughs> hey, let's you make the, a movie. Yeah, no, the excitement level on social media, uh, which I help agitate in my own special way, but individual filmmakers are just having a great time and they're so excited. Uh, everyone's promoting their stuff. Everyone's so excited to be back in the theater. Um, it's a big title change for everyone. We, we think we're mostly ready uh, staff-wise to put it all together, but no, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really nice. Uh, we did some tech tests yesterday. Things look good. All the shows are put together. Um, not much hanging. Um, so it's going to be a nice weekend. Uh, really fun. <laughs> and, uh, and if it you, rains, you'll be inside anyway. That's and right. you do have lovely concessions. I will say the uh, high point is known for their popcorn and you also have beer too we do not oh you do not you don't have a liquor license yet we will have beer and wine for the closing night party our liquor license is still yet to come it's been seven months but it takes longer than that in the city of st louis we'll be lucky if we get it this year we probably will but at great expense and hiring a consultant to help wade through it we need to get signatures from the entire neighborhood it's a long process and we're wending our way and soon we will but still not yet but we do have the best popcorn in the yes you do yeah. and also uh it's just it's just nice to support the high point it's just it's a it's a it makes you feel special plus you get to be convivial with other film fans, which is fun. But uh, there is a cover story in the Riverfront Times about how hard it is to get a liquor license in the city. So, so you know, we'll get there. Yeah. And you know, drunk people who walk in, why can't I have a wine? Well, you can wait a little bit longer, madam or sir. Yeah, um, just, just, just wait. Yeah. yeah, just wait to go to uh, the High Point next door or Duffy's down the road or all sorts of places around there. What I like is you're so central now. I will yeah. admit, uh, Washu was just hard to park at. I'm sorry. Yeah, everything about good. it, other than, you know, saving our money and being frugal, um, I, I admire that part and it, it did serve a purpose, but after that, it just was horrible. It was too hot. It was hard to get, carrying boxes up the, you know, it was hard to do anything. For the consumer or for me or for us, getting everything up and in and out of there and then stripping it all away. Ugh. So I'm glad to be done with it. Um, we just walk in and do it. And it's five minutes from my house. Um, so <laughs> That's the most yeah. important thing. Well, well, you know, if I go back and forth and be there for 14 hours in a day, True. I want to be able to go home and take a shower and come back in 20 minutes. You know, it's great. Well, one of the things that uh, if you aren't familiar with the high point, Dear listeners, dear listeners, check out cinemastlouis.org to see their schedule because Sunday I drove by and there were all these cool cars in the lot at uh, High Point Drive In Burger Palace because Cinema St. Louis was showing Greece that day. So they were in partnership with the, the burger place and Cinema St. Louis. Yeah. So it's fun because you're always trying to do just unexpected things and fun things. And another thing about the showcase, because I have seen, I have seen um, a lot of these films since 2009 and filmmaking has come a long way in the digital age and people are getting better at it. They're getting uh, just uh points of view but how are is the women involvement this year i wanted to talk about that uh i have a number that i counted up and wrote down somewhere uh i think it's fairly high um uh, not half but i think it's 20 something maybe of the 90 and then interspersed in there there's a uh, 15 or so uh films by um people of color um, I'll have to look into that women number again, but I think it's 20 something, um, but some co-directions and stuff. So you not know, as high as we want to, but, you know, pretty good percentage uh, overall. Well, and it's a good, yeah, it's growing. It's a grow. It's a growing group, which, which I like. So the documentaries are near and dear to my heart. And what are some of the local topics that people have taken on this year? I no. can speak to that. 
because I've watched them all. Because then we we should mention that you and I are both judges for the filmmaker showcase. Full disclosure, yes. Yes. So we, yes. Full disclosure. Out, yes. Um, we are. We are judges. Yeah, but there's some interesting topics, and um, you know, I always look for something that's you know more positive and fun. You know, sometimes documentaries tend towards darker, drearier topics like violence and and abuse and stuff. But there's some there's some fun or stodginess. Yeah, there's some fun documentaries like um, Bring That Mono Back, which Love that. not, you know, extremely well made. He's a non-filmmaker. This is his first film ever. It, he's not a filmmaker, but it was a fun topic and, you know, just a lot of joy to it. So it, it really kind of made itself into something. I met him the other day for the first time. He is so excited uh, to be doing this. And that's part of the point is sharing the joy and he's going to meet other people and maybe he'll make more films. I, and I know people because I being in the radio business, I know people, those people that are featured in the film. And I asked them about it later and they were astounded at the process that he made making this film because he's he's not a filmmaker. No. And he was learning as he was going along. And you can tell that the topic was passionate for him. Yes. And that's what it was. It 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 took little effort for me to say, yes, this is something we want to embrace. He had called me in January wanting to figure out a way to do a premiere. And then we kind of lost touch. He, he later admitted he got scared. He was nervous about doing it. And then later it popped up in the submissions like, Oh, I think that's that same guy. And then I looked it up, looked at it and like, yeah, it is. And like, Hey, you know what? This is a, a great thing that we can add in there. Uh, the other day I've, I've been doing a series of emails to filmmakers with the subject line, hey, guess what? Parks one <laughs> through seven. I just sent out seven a little bit ago. One of the missives the other day said, hey, the badges are ready. I'm sitting here, put them together. If you want to come pick them up today or tonight or tomorrow night, 15 minutes later, bang, bang, bang at the back door that nobody hardly ever uses in the back lot. And Bree was in the theater and she answered it. And <clears throat> It was him. It was Edward Thornton. He's like, oh, I was at Starbucks and, you know, can I get my badge? He was just all smiles and so excited. excited. And um, so that's, you know, I worked so hard at this event for so long. And that's the spirit. It's just so gratifying that, you know, ticket sales are one thing. It's not about the money, but people's excitement and the energy, um, you know, that's going to sustain me, this energy. And then and then you also have a move from a movie about music from people that have made these before Anthem, the road to redemption, which was uh, a surprise to me also. Yeah. Um, you know, again, a non-filmmaker quote unquote, sort of non, sort of non-musicians that, you know, admit themselves <laughs> they were never great. They were a high school cover band, but they remain friends to this day. And they reunited 40 years later uh, to do a, you know, a, a full a, album, album of originals a concert and do a, a thing too. And just, what a fun story. And it's all about music. And even though they went to Dismet and Chaminade, I'm not going to hold it against them. <laughs> yeah. I'm super arrogant about that. You know, too bad. But you know what? They had fun and the fun spread out into their audiences, which didn't care. They were mediocre. Um, they just, it's a vibe and a spirit. And it kind of underscores, you know, what we're trying to do with this event and everything too. Uh, so it was a great addition and a surprise. Yeah. I thought at first, like, Oh, you know, but it was fun. I mean, the the it, songs are, um, what they are and they had a good time doing it. And that you can tell that when you watch the film, the energy is infectious in a yes. good way. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then speaking of music, there is a documentary short produced by the St. Louis County police department that deals with, grief and loss of life and music and it is it's really well done i didn't know that uh, the st louis county police department had a department that could make something like that yeah so a lot of you know higher profile things that are not a lot of non-filmmakers that are first first time to the table mixed in with people making films for 25 years um so that's a great addition so there's a wide range of that and even that film too, which is inherently on the surface about grief, it was about more than that. It was about right. overcoming it and, and facing it and moving on. And you know, life is for the living, on and on and on. So it, it you know it really changed expectations um, greatly along the way. 
because so women think, oh, police week is just a propaganda for the police, but it's about backstoppers. It's about the loss of life. And it's about this major event that I had never heard about. And that St. Louis, because of backstoppers and because of the strong police force and the community that they have, uh, makes it more than what it would be rather than a propaganda film. Yes. Because so it, it, when I first read the description, I thought, oh, this is going to be more propagandized than I would like, but I'll still, you know, give it a fair shot. But it, you know, exceeded expectations and earned its spot uh, with this loosely, you know, that whole program is sort of thematic across the board. Uh, Wheels of Thunder is also part of that program. Uh, yeah. Wheels of Thunder also about the military and it's got a local bent because you know, this is the St. Louis filmmaker show Kit Bond. I haven't heard from Kit Bond in a long time and he's got a major portion of that. And then there's also speaking of veterans, uh, mama bear down, which is very topical right now dealing with veteran suicide. It's a wide range of fun and serious topics you have in the documentaries. This is a difficult event to curate on many levels because you have a, a finite set of things to pick from and then I have to put them into categories and it, <laughs> they don't always work fully, but it's great when in there's some cohesion. Uh, there's always something that doesn't really fit with anything else and it kind of sits out in a program. But I think this year everything kind of works pretty well in tandem with one another program per program. And I don't know if anyone noticed, um, but I did not name the narrative shorts subject programs this year like i always do in the past like like narrative shorts Thematically. One, comedy well that's subjective drama mm-hmm. one drama two drama three i just skipped that entirely let the audience choose I, behind the scenes they are kind of curated you know kind of by genre but eh, i ran out of steam and just seemed you know let people figure it out on their own well, as right. a and- as a mother of a comedy short filmmaker, what I liked most when uh, Tim had a movie in uh, three times um, was to hear the audience laugh at parts that you didn't know they were going to laugh at. Like the audience get gets it. And well, what's really nice some- for a writer that's sometimes jarring because that's not necessarily where you wanted them to be laughing. But it's fun just because of the whole communal aspect of watching a movie. Like your friends come, the people that help make the movie come, they come and everybody's all together again for it might have been a while since you made the movie and everybody's together. And then when you hear the audience laugh, it's really a fun thing. Like, oh, they find this funny, which is good. Are not if they don't laugh, but well, Lynn, is- Lynn, I've I've talked about documentaries right enough. You go, you talk about some of the narratives that you've seen. As I told certain filmmakers that I've seen that are in the theater community, I can't talk about your movie. I'm on the jury. I can't tell them whether it's good or not. But I like the scope of it this year. I really like how we are hitting different uh, strides in terms of drama, in terms of, uh, I would say thriller. I think one of the growing trends is horror. Uh, well, yeah, because people, people have, yeah, people know that, you know, January used to be the doldrums and awfulness of cinema and horror has created its niche at the beginning of the year, but it's not just Halloween. It's January and February. And so, People's like, oh, yeah, people do like horror and people are growing up seeing horror movies as actual cinema rather than just teen slasher films. Yes. So there's more of evolve. How about this? More horror films emerging and evolving than ever before. And And are they they smart horror films? Yeah, I think so. I think people are learning not to be cheesy in these uh, films because, you, you know, there's a high with horror films. You got to get it just right. Chris, have you noticed that uh, horror is more prevalent than it was before? Disagree. Um, St. Louis oh. filmmakers have always made horror films from the beginning of this event until now. Um, some years there are more than others. I'm just glad there's less zombie films because, as you know, <laughs> Zombies are stupid and boring creatures and I do not like them. But there was a spate of like six years where there was 
many zombie. Is yeah. that Walking Dead's fault? It was right after Twilight when we had a lot of, because I would be on that script co committee and we had a lot of vampires and zombies. And then Walking Dead did, yeah, yeah. you know, propel but that. But There's but always been a, a deep rooted underground-ish um, horror scene here. In fact, you know, someone like Eric Stanzi, if you know that name, he doesn't like to show his films publicly in St. Louis. He likes to leave his homeland alone. Um, but there's always going to be blood. There's always going to be monsters. Um, but to do it right and do it uniquely um, and not just teenagers running around screaming and like all the student films are, you know, got to be better than that. And they are yeah. like, like yeah. Paul's film, um, like some visitors, which is very dark um, <clears throat> and goes all over the place in lots of shocking directions. But still well-crafted and has had success all over the country and world prior to this event has shown has won many, many awards. Um, so they do it right. And we're internationally recognized by some of our underground horror filmmakers. So there's a lot of it. Right. Well, I really like the, 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 the acting's improving. It used to be where you would have these young kids dress up like business guys. Like they'd be company executives. Oh, or and, the international assassins or gangsters <laughs> genre and, where and, they were way too young to be the, doing this stuff and it never worked. Yeah, um, no, it was like, you know, cast in your family. And and so uh, we've improved a lot in that regard. One of the one of the things, this isn't just St. Louis filmmaker showcase. This has a motive beyond that because last year's winner, multiple winner, all gone wrong wound up on with a distribution uh a, you know agreement and it, it can be found on amazon so you can rent one of the winners from last year on amazon right now and besides some of the filmmakers going to that like joey Polio with his hill documentary and with the bosnian documentary they can be found uh on streaming platforms Chris gets the honor to select what moves forward to the St. Louis Filmmaker Show. I mean, the St. Louis International Film Festival. That's in power, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. But, you know, it's, it is gratifying to be, you know, I'm not responsible for their success. I'm a game show host, in essence. Um, <clears throat> but I'm happy to be part of the ride. And if what we do helps propel them from one event to the other, and if they get a laurel or something too, well, it does help and they do get recognized by other festivals and do get some traction um, and poachers from other, you know, bigger and smaller festivals. It, you know, it's just part of the process. And if I'm happy to be a small cog for somebody else. And if it helps them, I'm pleased. Yeah. So there's, there's been great strides uh, in your 23 years and I applaud you for that. And I really am excited about the possibilities, especially with the high point and what you guys keep coming up with, because you're coming up with a lot of really fun things and realizing that, um, you know, in flyover country, there, there are some interesting uh, viewpoints. Indeed. Do you have a favorite film or are they all like your children and you can't have a favorite? I can't have a favorite. It depends on what day it is. You know, but you're, one. you're not, in, you're not on the jury. So I'm not on the jury. No, but I don't want to leave people in it. Like, uh, it, it's hard. Cause there's so many, there's so many. Well, uh, and you uh, had to watch every single one of them. Mm-hmm. As a person who's been on different juries over the years, Chris is really good about not, interfering or butting in but if we have questions he will answer them because yeah. sometimes we do have questions and i will subtly lead in a certain direction if it's necessary but you'll never really figure out that i'm doing it no and then <laughs> it's not my role it's not my role uh i want they wanted to be objective as much as possible i'm a facilitator um yeah, a few things you know maybe kind of stand out um uh Dovi Linder, if you know that name, he had a feature in the very first showcase 23 years ago um, called Defiance. 
And we did not produce the event that year. That was the St. Louis Film Office had initiated it. Well, 23 years later, he has his second feature, uh, The Loopy, The Box, uh, the sci-fi conspiracy theory laden uh, sci-fi epic on aliens in St. Louis. Well, it's, it's fun, even though it was shot 11 years ago. And some of those people have less or lighter hair now than they did then. <laughs> in one case, an actor is just is deceased. Um, but it still holds up and it's still, you know, goofy fun, uh, for, for what it is. I know. Well, at this time of year, actors who are in these movies will send emails to, to, uh, their lists, you know, and encouraging people to come. And I've gotten quite a few for the box, like we're showing on July 28th, you know, please come see us and, and, and that. So it's fun to hear from people about how excited they are. And people do want to get an audience of a good support and uh, just, but if you don't, if you don't have a dog in the fight, still support it, just uh, be surprised at what you're going to see. It's always, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know yeah. what you're going to get. Okay, Carl, to answer your question a little better, but not exactly, I'm going to pick a program that I'm particularly proud of and not an individual. Okay. Is, that, is that good enough? No, that's perfect. Okay. The final show before the party is Narrative Shorts Program 8. And I made a decision. I thought about it back and forth and back and forth endlessly. Um, it is entirely comprised of six films by African-American filmmakers. And... Past regimes would have steered me away from that and said, you can't do that. That's, you know, looks bad and it's segregating. No, I saw it differently as community celebrating and underserved black filmmakers in town have been a very small number over time and have increased the last couple of years. And they're more comfortable participating in this formerly white boy only event. So I made a conscious decision to put these six films together and they work very well off each other. And right now, I think I'm proved right for the most part. It has sold way more tickets than any other film, and it's way, it's sailing past a half sellout of that lavish space. And it's going to be a great program, and people are going to be so excited to be there and supporting each other. I'm really looking forward to that audience. Congratulations! Thank you. And so I, will, think I made the right decision. So and you were right. Way. Yeah. And we will we will see you at the uh, wrap party at. Uh, blueberry hill on july 30th blueberry hill what the hell are you talking about i mean not blueberry hill but it's still going to be high point high point theater okay <laughs> good i'm sorry yeah i didn't i didn't so many things she yeah, gets it was invitations. At the blueberry hill forever and you know that's a big change too but we have our own space why should we move uh, that's true why pay that's anyone true. else that's true and and besides everybody it'll be fun with the different groups and it's really fun to talk to the filmmakers speaking of filmmakers uh my website poplifestl.com is uh, running several take 10 with uh maybe four or five directors so if you want to learn more about the directors and their starts in st louis and their connections and their films go to my website Besides going to cinemastlouis.org and looking at the whole list. Do both because you can get tickets and donate and volunteer for events. Yeah, we always need help. Uh, we can't pay everybody, but we need volunteers to do, you know, whatever handout programs help us with things. Um, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Things. And I also want to commend you, Chris, whoever is putting up the uh, letters on the marquee has been very clever in recent weeks. We're trying to get that vibe and energy back. We have a new theater manager, um, Rob Severson, if either of you know him, um, has been a theater manager at various theaters around town over time, uh, is new to our team and is putting that right energy in the right place where for a long first six months, you know, is Brian and Bree and I kind of doing almost everything pushing buttons, turning stuff on, making popcorn, mopping the floors. We still do that, but a little bit less. And so, you know, we're building a team and we've always been a very small squad, but this is different and we need different help than we've had before on an everyday basis. And it's, you know, we're getting that energy on that corner, uh, which now includes uh, the Holy Trinity of the High Point Theater, High Point Drive-In, and now 
high point cannabis right in between. Wow. The creativity, the creativity is appreciated. The synergy is putting the sin in synergy. (laughs) So I'm guessing they stop at the cannabis shop before they decide what's going to go on the marquee to just get a little inspiration. I, I can't speak to that and I don't know about that, but, but Rob's very clever and Brian participates in that also kind of the, you know, little quips we talk about it a little bit, but yeah, we have this unique opportunity on this amazingly busy intersection with five roads leading in and out of it. What great visibility, what a gift. Um, even though that other theater on the other side of the park is now allegedly showing movies this fall. Um, we have, this wide vista and corner and energy on the almost highest point in the land. Um, it's a lot of good vibes there. Well, as I pass by it, I always look. So, and I, and I pass by that a lot. So. Cinema St. Louis dot org. Cinema org has all the things in case you need it spelled out for you. And I will look forward to our deliberations this week. So, yeah. So, did we set? Did we set a time? Yes. Read your emails, Lynn. Come on. I'll remind again. Uh, sometime after five thirty, and uh, I'm not even going to be there. And yeah. I yeah, know you're gonna be going to be denied. I will buy you a hamburger at a later time, sir. But we're going to get. You. A I appreciate it. Well, Alex uh, is leaving or left for Idaho this morning, and he was asking me the other day, and I. Okay, you know, I get like 200 emails a day, so yeah, I'll need to go back. Yes, you're the only one that gets a lot of emails, Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I know you. No, I know you guys do. But I'm just saying, yes. sometimes they're not in the right place. Yep. So, so, Chris, I know that you, you've you been working very hard at this, and I know you haven't seen either Barbie or Oppenheimer. So we wish you the best of luck with Cinemas STL. Lewis, sorry, I screwed that up. I screwed it up. CinemaSTLewis.org for the 23rd annual St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Good job. Thank you. Once once you get the website down, it's easy. So I'm I'm sorry. Before we let you go, which one do you want to see first? Or do you care? Or will you see either of them? Oh, I will absolutely see both. Um, I don't have a specific order. You know, I do like Nolan. Um, his wife, uh, Emma Thomas, mm-hmm. was one of our guests a number of years ago when we showed the following, his first film, or okay. following his first film. Um, I like Killian Murphy. Uh, like everybody in it, it's a sad part of world history. And apparently it's a great, great film. But then Barbie. I love Margot Robbie. And I can't wait to see this candy colored weirdness that they create uh it looks just fun it is yeah, fun it is so carl went to barbie on tuesday because the studios warner brothers and universal decided to have the screenings on both on just to piss day. each other off you know just it's to, not like the actors and writers are pissed off at the studios let's piss off each other that's and the film critics that had a genius and also uh uh, there is a backstory because Nolan left Warner Brothers and this movie is universal. So we have Barbie from WB and Oppenheimer from Universal. And so Carl went to the Barbie, all dressed in pink, I might add. I was. And my I, entire family was dressed in pink. Yes. Thank and you for being comfortable in your masculinity. And I went to, well, I'm dressing up in pink later with the gal pals because we are going to the first uh, a screening of at the, at the multiplex. So I'm going to see it with real folk today in our pink splendor. And uh, I'll just it have a good time. It will be sight to see. I will be having a good time with the gal pals. And, uh, I saw the three-hour Oppenheimer, and I was exhilarated by how smart and lucid and well-constructed it is. So I had a great time because it is a stunning achievement, and 
I was riveted for three hours like a I like it was a thriller. And the acting in it, if Killian Murphy isn't in the year-end conversation for all the lead actor awards, then there's what world do we live in? But long overdue. Also, long overdue for him. Long um, overdue. I have been a longtime fan ever since he walked out the London Bridge in 28 days later and I went whoa and then he was Scarecrow and Nolan he's been making films with Christopher Nolan for 20 years but this is his first lead yeah, role. well he was he was in all three of the Batman movies right as Scarecrow Dr. Jonathan Crane right. but he also like he was a shivering soldier in Dunkirk that's the name on the the castle. So uh, he's what was been, what was the one? What was the one where they're trapped on the airplane? Uh, Red Eye. Okay, yeah. With Rachel he was, McAdams. He was good in that. Yeah, he, he was, was good, good in that. that. He's good in everything. Chris, Chris will let you go. You don't have to listen to all this stuff. No, but he's, well, I was trying he, to look okay. something up. Um, I can't remember. I'm looking to look at the name of the film. He was in. Uh, if you give me a second, I'll find it. But no, he uh -oh. has a vast range. Um, do you remember um, Breakfast on Pluto? Yes. Breakfast on Pluto. He got raves for that. I remember Sunshine, the movie, the sci-fi movie he did with uh, Chris Evans. And uh, that was awesome. Well, oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. So he does have a wide range. Uh, look at A Quiet Place Part 2 with Emma, with uh, Emily Blunt. Uh, so yeah. he he played Emmett. He was great in that. So Pinky uh, Peaky Blinders is what people know him for on Netflix. It's a show that has that ran from 2013 to 2022, where he was the the crime boss in a gangsta family in England. And well, uh, he's but never... he's going from being a character actor to a lead, right? And he is on screen nearly every single minute which is uh, uh, remarkable he is just fantastic it's just there's no way about it even if people don't you know there are the nolan detractors and but i think even the nolan detractors will admit that it is uh just you know one of the best performances it's just great now, but Lynn, also you Yes, you're not the only person I've seen this that has seen the movie that I've spoken with. And some people said going into it, they felt it was going to be like homework and it was going to be boring. One person I did talk to said it was so boring he walked out. The other person said it was not home, it was entertainment, but still very, um, not as uplifting as he thought it was. He thought that Nolan was going to try to, uh, uplift but this is more of a no no it's a cautionary tale it it intertwines science with politics and politics are definitely a part of this and robert downey jr is chilling in this he's the so baddie good so so good and i didn't i wasn't aware of the historical um the, the 1954 Senate hearing where they stripped him of a security clearance because that was the Red Scare paranoia. And and uh, some people got it in their head like, let's let's railroad him as a, a Soviet spy. So tarnished his life. Well, he had a but, communist ex, right? Yeah, but that was the time. That was when that was when a lot of people were that was when, you know, the whole spanish the red scare that was the first one well you know and we're doing the same thing now just with different players people are afraid of you know transgender people and and the like so you know people hate in cycles it does they just got to pick something to latch on to oh yeah well what i liked about this was he has this mammoth narrative i mean mammoth so we go through it jumps three timelines, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's and also it's just uh, for me, a non-science person, it'd be embarrassing to tell you how what my grades were in science. So so uh, but I found it fascinating about uh, the whole progression. He, he's a grad student 
And then he's at Berkeley with Josh Hartnett. Where has he been? He plays this pioneering scientist. It's fabulous. This cast is so deep and so remarkable. Yeah, it's going to trounce award seasons <clears throat> on yeah. the board. Matt, well, that's what. That's why there's. That's why there is. Excuse me. That's why there is a movement for the Oscars to have a best ensemble award now because of and movies stunts. like this and stunts too. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know. A, Nolan prides himself like even the the people that don't like it will begrudge him his lack of CGI and his uh his visual mastery and this movie actually with Hoyt Ben Hotiman uh the the great cinematographer that was uh did Dunkirk and Nope last year he actually makes history with this movie because Kodak invented a black and white IMAX film just for this wow movie. So the way Hoyt films this is groundbreaking. Well, that's also uh that's that's why uh Tom Cruise doesn't like Christopher Nolan because Rogue Nation's getting bumped off of a lot of IMAXs because of Oppenheimer and everyone's like why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to see uh Rogue Nation in IMAX rather than Oppenheimer. It's because Nolan has a fantastic relationship with IMAX and uses their cameras. And he has said, uh, hey, I'm your guy on this. And so you're going to see Oppenheimer in like 90% of all IMAX theaters starting this weekend. Bruce had a big, he had a big push. He reached out to operators individually and, and pushed them to, pick his film first, but he lost. But there's plenty of screens to see that in a very large format. It doesn't have to be, you know, Ethan Hunt doesn't have to get it all. Um, <laughs> no, this is, does, there's still part two. You can see it when they rerun it next. Well, it might not be next year when they show one and two or seven and eight together, they'll probably show them as IMAX dual features too. Yeah. Why not? I well, this, this is filmmaking of the highest order. To me, it's really rare that you get a movie of this magnitude be this satisfying. Did it feel like homework, Lynn? No, no. I learned a lot. And uh, that's the homework. Dialogue, the, no, the, the, uh, what I liked about it is Nolan's verbal dexterity in the script because it's delivered by great actors. It's very snappy dialogue. You get all this exposition. You get all this information as they're talking. As they're talking, and you, you don't feel like you know if you don't understand the chalkboard with all the numbers on it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like beautiful mind. Perfect package. Oh, just great. Yeah, and the art, the artisan contributions to this are outstanding. Production design, like a the sound. The sound is astonishing. It's because you have the six speakers in the IMAX. There you go. Also, I heard that um, I was assuming that Matt Damon was just a cameo and like all of the things that we saw in the trailer was basically going to be it. But I hear he's in this movie a lot. He is. And he's good. And it's, it's, uh, it, you know, he's the government aspect. What is really chilling is after, after they test the bomb in the desert, Los Alamos, um, they, uh, Oppenheimer wants to give, you know, talk to the government more about how this is going to go. And they're like, we're taking it from here. So he became a zealot about nuclear proliferation and, uh, more of a dove. which is why they deemed him a communist yep right like, like revisionist history they used him to get what they wanted and then they bounced him to the curb um we see this in you know sci-fi movies all the time where the the well-meaning scientist creates something and then he realizes with horror that the government wants to take it over you know well this is real oh uh, this yeah. is really funny. yeah he unleashed what he unleashed you know he has second thoughts about it and it's it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating moral dilemma, ethical dilemma. It's just so good to think about that because not only are you getting a, a guy's life that's really fascinating, what a complicated person. And uh, then 
you get all the whole ramification of what's like what Chris said, science creates the government, the takes dead over. Japanese people. Yeah. It's a, it's a morality tale um, at its heart, um, despite everything else in, in actual history and, and the horrors, which we're still dealing with today. Um, we'll look at, you know, Coldwater Creek and the Westlake landfill. Um, that's all direct result of that time period. And I just heard, heard something on the radio yesterday about it, that I knew all this before, but you know, that, stuff got sold many times over and then in the 70s just got left in a warehouse at the airport and just got barrels got just dumped and buried with no one no oversight whatsoever so the fallout no pun intended <laughs> from all of that it will affect us till the end of time apparently uh, or our time um and will only get worse and oppenheimer died of inoperable cancer at age 62 so there you go. All right. On that happy note, Carl's going to get into the Barbie world. I'm going to talk about Barbie because it was fun. Since they hadn't told us anything about it, I said, this is either going to be what we think it is, or it's going to be something that is just Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, you know, crazy. But it's a little of both of that. It's mm -hmm. and then people are complaining. Oh, this is just another fish out of water, water story. Well, yes, but. Fish out of water stories are good because they work. People, they're relatable. And I heard somebody say, well, then I guess we shouldn't make any more uh, World War II stories or stories about kings and queens anymore because th those are stories that are made all the time. So a Barbie fish out of water story in neon pink with amazing songs and amazing acting and amazing fun is something that people would like to see. And I think a lot of people are going to see this and they won't be disappointed because it was fun. And I think they were wrong not to tell anybody what this movie's about, because I think some people are going to go, Oh, why were they keeping this a secret? Because it's, it's inconsequential. Barbie played by Margot Robbie. First of all, there are 50 Barbies in the movie. Yeah. Yes. And there are like 50 Kens in the movie all played. Some of them are fantastically great cameos. So I'm not going to spoil any of those things. And there's a Lizzo song being played when Barbie wakes up in the morning and she's Lizzo's actually saying exactly what's going on in Barbie's world. And then the next day when Barbie doesn't feel as awesome as she did the day before Lizzo says, are you all right, girl? Because it's not the stereotypical Barbie, even though Margot Robbie is playing stereotypical Barbie. That is what she's called in Barbie land, stereotypical Barbie. And when things don't go 100% right for stereotypical Barbie, she has to go to the real world and see Mattel and see Los Angeles and I can't see wait. I can't wait. what's going on and why she doesn't feel 100% happy anymore because she meets weird Barbie who is played by Kate McKinnon, who oh, is just like all, you know, when kids get tired or experimental with their Barbies, you know what they do? They cut their hair and they draw on them. And that is Kate McKinnon. This is That's such a hilarious take um because you know there's a short list of ultimate icons that that cross the planet jesus coca-cola the beatles you know things like that barbie mm -hmm. is somewhere on that list that every kid in every country knows this name and this is not a derogatory they're not trying to drag it down or, or dig it in the mud it's just an expanded world of this amazingly icon that was based on the lily doll i heard yeah. it, uh well, they, they they allude to that because Rhea Perlman plays the inventor of Barbie and she keeps saying, yeah, I had a whole bunch of legal issues later in my life because the Germans sued her for just basically stealing their doll. But, well, but I, so, you, go ahead. But, still. What I was going to say, what I like about it is it looks like an old fashioned Hollywood musical. Yes, there there are choreographed dance numbers that Barbie says, well, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to dance with my girls. And then they do a stereotypical like 1930s 
uh, Bugsby Berkeley dance number. And then the Kens do one also. And then there's, it's, it's really old school Hollywood, but with a new world sensibility, because here's people are going to say, is this Barbie woke? Well, here's, here's the story. When Ken and Barbie come to the real world, Ken finds out that actually men run the world and Barbie's surprised that there is not a woman president, that there aren't uh, more women in power. And she sees that every single man, every single person on the Mattel board of directors is a man. And so Ken goes back to Barbie world and makes Barbie world more like the real world. And then things happen, which I don't want to get into anymore. Because I, America Ferrara plays an executive at Mattel and her daughter, it's stereotypical Barbie is her daughter's actual Barbie. And uh-huh. she stopped playing it because she's now in. Oh, you know, so I, Go ahead, I, love, I love Ryan Gosling for going all in because he is very funny. If you've seen his Saturday Night Live hosting, you know the guy. And plus, he was a Disney kid. So he's got a little edge to him, and he looks all in. Plus, we know he can sing and dance. And I like, I read where he decided to do the movie because his daughter, with Ava Mendes, his wife, they, um, his, his daughter's Kendall was face down in the mud next to a squished lemon. So he wrote Greta Gerwig a note, I shall be your Ken. (laughs) There are two, there are two uh, MCU players in as Ken's. You have uh, Simu Liu as a Ken and you have Kingsley Ben-Adir as a Ken, which is really funny. Like watching uh, a secret invasion where he's the bad guy. And then you watch Barbie where he's a Ken. It's, it's, it's really showing their range as actors. Uh, there, there are a couple uh Barbies that I can tell you about. Issa Rae is president Barbie. And, and I, you know what? You can be surprised by the rest. And then there are actually every single Barbie that they have in this movie is based on a real life Barbie that was released. So like there is a grow my boobs. I'm sorry, growing up skipper. And there is Midge who is the pregnant Barbie. And there are, there's Alan Ken's friend. Ken's friend. Alan is played by Michael Sarah. And so it's, they go over the weird history of Barbie. It's very interesting and very fun and then I, I learned something also about this all these old barbies that if you move skipper's hand down her chest grew i'm growing up and it's the mattel did a lot of weird things with barbie i heard a factoid yesterday in the early design phases there was somebody in the upper echelons of mattel when they would get the the models the the spec models from japan there was somebody who on this, the state side, would get a small tool and shave off what were nipples on these dolls so they remained smooth. And that's the dolls that we have now. The, the manufacturers were actually putting actual body parts on there, but that didn't that didn't fly in uh, in America. So they and that that is a further. joke. That's yeah. a joke. That is yeah. a through line through this whole movie because, like, quit sexualizing me. I don't have any genitals. Barbie says that to construction workers. She walks up and says, oh, there's a construction site. There'll be strong, powerful women there that I can talk to. And then, of course, it's a typical construction site. And then they say stereotypical things to her. And she says, leave me alone. I don't even have any genitals. I cannot wait. And then Ken says, I I have lots of genitals, but he does not either. No, he doesn't. Here's to Barbenheimer. Good for you. What a great you know, Rocky, you know, battle um, of two wildly Rocky different. Rocky Apollo Creed. Yeah. If, if wildly you different, but, but great films. What, what a, you know, what a nice summer lead in. But I hope, let's, let's circle back now. 
I hope that people will come to the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase on this weekend. You can see Barbie and Oppenheimer all summer long. You can see these films one time. Right. 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 If you want to do a deeper dive on Barbie, I have found that uh, there is a great short about the scenic design, the Barbie dream house, um, Robbie for um, architectural digest of all publications. It's really fun. So she goes through the whole thing. And then Greta Gerwig on Reddit, uh, you can see this on YouTube, talks about her movie influences and she was very influenced by old Hollywood musicals, of course, but also French filmmakers. And she talks about different things that uh, she wanted to include in this movie. You can, you can tell this French, the French new wave influence in this and some of the styles. Oh, well, good. Do they reference, oh, the, the reference thing- Karen Carpenter's story? Uh, no, they do not. They do they, not. They the, the music is fantastic. Now, it would be great if there was a Carpenter song in there, but there, there is not. I yeah, already mentioned Lizzo. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a Dua Lipa song in there. There are. I thought the, I thought the music was on point with this. And I, there is one more person I want to mention that is in the Barbie film. Your narrator is Helen Mirren. <sighs> <laughs> oh wow yeah it's funny it's perfect it, she's, she's perfect she's perfect perfect for it. perfect get well as one who when i was in first grade my mother gave me the one of the first barbies because this we're talking 1960 barbie was invented in 1959 so i had the fish and pole barbie when i turned six. well the first and barbie it, of course is the uh black and white swimsuit barbie yes. which uh, they treat that the creating of that as a parody of 2001: A Space Odyssey with the chimps and the monolith. So, <laughs> and then we did. We had Midge and we had Skipper, but my sisters and I we did not have Ken. But after I saw the Rat Pack movie uh, based on Robin Hood, Robin and the Seven Hoods. Oh yeah, that was fun. My Barbie dated the Rat Pack. Wow. So we didn't have Ken or G.I. Joe or any of that. We had our imaginations. Any girl that had a Barbie that had brothers, the hair was cut off and it was melted and then thrown on the roof. This happened (laughs) nationwide. Do they reference it in Toy Story? Do they reference that at all during the film? Uh, Just just weird Barbie. Just weird Barbie. They don't they don't say they say that they say that girls do those too. girls do it, too. But brothers, you know. Yeah, there, there's no deformed Barbie. There, I mean, they're That's a not mutilated, <laughs> right? Mutilated Barbie, but they have every single kind of Barbie. And once again, these are all Barbies. Like you see the Barbie in the wheelchair, you see the plus size Barbie. These are all Barbies that Mattel sells or has sold. Well, because in the, Farrell, yeah, well, in the seventies and eighties, yeah, is Barbie World part of the sound? Barbie World. Good. Yeah. Uh, Barbie Girl is in the soundtrack, but it's a. I don't think it's by Aqua. I believe it is by someone else. Cover. Okay. That's okay. It's well, no, it's fun. Aqua. It's 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 like a mashup. So okay. there, there's yeah. They they admit it, but the thing is, Will Ferrell's walking in Barbie World and is goes. Huh. I thought we discontinued you. <laughs> so well, joke, yeah. on joke on joke. I can't wait. Well, there's it's, so it's, many Barbies. It, they did kind of go crazy in the 70s and 80s with all sorts of different Barbies. And now they have series. I just want to mention my Barbie, Maya Angelou, is part of the Inspiring Women series. So I have Maya holding her book in my Barbie doll. Huh. The, and I that think was the Barbies my birthday that present. We have from, our, yeah. I think we have uh, the best looking we have a cinderella barbie and the one that looks the best is the snow white barbie because mm-hmm. it it the outfit's perfect and the face and the it's it just looks like snow white from 1937 so this last year for our birthdays this is my sisters and i we started with my uh my youngest sister works for the u.s tennis association we gave her a billie jean king barbie for her birthday 
Then my sister, who's a big, uh, my other sister, who's a big Lucille Ball fan, we gave her the Lucille Ball Barbie. Right. And then for my birthday, they gave me the Maya Angelou Barbie. So that's how we all got back into the Barbie world by iconic, inspiring women. Well, also a shout out and a plug for Cindy Schrader, a longtime St. Louis uh, media person uh, behind the scenes. She's worked at Riverport and she's worked in live entertainment for a long time. She is one of the foremost Barbie collectors in our area. And I know this is like a holy high holy day for her that uh, Barbie's opening. But Chris, there are funny films and there are true life stories locally surrounded at the St. Louis film filmmaker showcase this weekend at the high point. So you can get and all of that and, and, and next week. Yes. Yes. But right now this weekend, this weekend and next weekend. Yes. And and you only have till Friday to see a West side story at the Muni and it is a beauty. It's, just so 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 his voice was fantastic i did not think that tony would have such a strong voice oh christian douglas oh my god his voice soars into that night sky the dancing oh my god it's just so great on that 102 foot stage so yes it's an electric it's an elegant West Side Story, and I highly it's recommend It's your favorite it. musical, and it did not disappoint. No, and also, they've come a long way since I saw Greg Brady, a.k.a. Barry Williams, in the role of Tony in 1982 what? at the Moon. Mm-hmm. Well, Remember when they used to do stunt casting? So, yeah. so we They still do stunt from, casting. Yeah. Well, but not like that. Not like there no, were some no, bad no. We've, we've We've come a long way from Barry Williams to Christian Douglas. And Ken Page, I liked that Ken Page got uh, an applause break when he walked in. That was that was yes, great. Yes, and he's really good in this. And the the uh, the adults are very good. Michael James Reed, who we've had on the show, he plays Lieutenant Trank. And James Butts, he is the brother of Tony winner Norbert Leo Butts. But in town, he's known for fantastic dramatic roles. If you you saw him at Shakespeare Festival when they did Henry Four and Henry Five, yes, and he plays bumbling Officer Krupke, and Anita's great Verusha Cavazos, 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 she's fabulous, and so it's just such a such a cool cast, and some of the people in the cast were in the Spielberg's movie. Ooh. Yeah, the they dancing da- is really yeah. strong. The dancing is really strong. Mm-hmm. They recreate. So, and then next week we got little hop, uh, little shop of horrors, and Clue starts at stages St. Louis this weekend. Uh, is the last time you can see the Nerd, which is a very funny comedy at Kirkwood Performing Arts Center by Moonstone Theater Company. And then we have the New Play Festival continuing the Labute Festival at New at St. Louis Actors Studio. And also Tesseract has a new play festival. So speaking of supporting new young artists, go support the plays besides supporting films. Chris, thank you for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, I just want to say briefly that growing up here, I didn't realize how deep the arts were in St. Louis. And maybe it's gotten bigger and better, but... Well, what a bounty of stuff we have here uh, across the board. it's, it's, It's because of people like you and Cinema St. Louis that are showcasing these events. And since for the last 23 years, these filmmakers now have an outlet to show their work. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's social okay. media to promote it. And you'll be, you'll be, you'll be all over social media. Won't you in the next week? You bet. I will. Uh, if if you don't follow Chris microphone. on Instagram, you should. Yes. I'm hilarious. You are. And uh, I, I hope that your new your new gnome is uh, safe and well. Both of them have remained to this day. Yes, my wizard was stolen. My, my gnomes are, are still intact. Um, you know, it's a weird corner, but it's fun. 
cinemastlewis.org. You can find all the information about Cinema St. Louis, The High Point, The Filmmaker Showcase. Lynn, where can we find you socially? I am in, uh, I am all over the socials. I still, I'm not really good at Instagram, but I'm there. And uh, I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And I am on KTRS Radio every Friday at 1108 with Jennifer Bloom and Wendy Weiss. And we have my website, poplifestl.com. So go to that for fun things like take tens with local film directors. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and threads at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on the radio seven days a week on the Odyssey family of radio stations. And uh, Blues Hockey starts in 60 days. So I'm happy about that. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming by. Thanks. Support local arts and stay well, stay safe. Bye.